Good morning. How is everybody today? It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, and I'm so glad that each and every one of you are here. My name is Pastor Heather. Um, I co-pastor here with Pastor Ty, who unfortunately is down with COVID. So if you would keep him in your prayers. For those of you that know, in 2020, he had a rough go of it, was in the hospital for over a week. And uh, so his lungs are not as the same as they used to be, but we serve a miracle working God. Amen. And uh, he is better today, but we have a special guest that's going to be joining us. Before I get to that, I do want to do something that we don't normally do. We have people that come and go from Cowboy Junction, move away, uh, take jobs in other towns and stuff, but I want to honor the Klaus family. Um, you guys, they're right here on the, on the second row. Um, y'all wave your hands so everybody knows who we're talking about. Um, they are moving away, and the main reason they're moving away is because their son, Connor, who happens to be one of my favorite people in the entire world, um, he's going to college. And so what do moms and dads do when their kids go to college? They follow. <laughs> and uh, so they are going to be moving as well. You're not in the same town as him, but you're close, right? Kind of. Close. Okay. Um, but I, I want to just say something. Um, you guys mean the world to us. Um, this family serves constantly. If we're, we, we uh, sponsor Night to Shine, which is um, a prom that's put on for those that are uh, mentally or physically challenged. That family is there helping us decorate, get things ready. It doesn't matter what's going on, VBS, decoration, whatever's happening, they're there. But Connor, he is, has been, Brady Bean, my son, the creative director's right hand. And I just want you to know, there's a big, big shoes to fill because you have been such an amazing blessing. But I want to remind every single one of you, that song that we just sang about holy ground, the holiness is not when you walk in this building. The holiness is because you are in this building. And so, Connor, I just want to let you know, though big shoes are needed to be filled, wherever you go and whatever God has called you to, those people are blessed because you are walking on holy ground because the presence of God is in you and through you. And we just speak blessings over your family and what God's going to do in and through you. But now, Connor is challenging all of you to fill his shoes and to be a part of ministry because this does not happen, what we do here, by just one man, one girl. This is the body of Christ working together. And so I just want to encourage you. Connor's leaving, and we love him. This is his last Sunday. But there now is a position to be filled. So if you want to be a part of our creative ministry, our media team, you can sign up today. Is that a good plug? Yes. But, Connor, we thank you, Rihanna. We thank you guys for all that you've done and what a blessing you've been to us, for sure. We want to welcome our online campus today. We want to welcome our juvenile detention center students. We just thank you so much for being a part of service. Uh, Y'all continue to lift up Ty in prayer. But God laid something on Ty's heart. He's like, I'm not going to be able to preach this weekend. And I was like, oh, please, Lord, don't let him call on me because I need at least two weeks preparation time. Okay, that's just the way it works. So he called a dear friend of ours, J.D. Small. He is the senior associate pastor at Turning Point Church in Lubbock, Texas. He also runs a men's ministry called The Forge, which he'll tell you a little bit more about. He says he wants to be known most, though, for being a husband and a father. And so we are so grateful that J.D. decided to drive over from Lubbock and be a blessing to all three services this weekend. So if you would give it up for J.D. Small as he comes and brings forth a powerful word this morning. 
All right, it's good to be here. I know Pastor Ty is checking in, making sure I mind my P's and Q's, so I'm minding my P's and Q's. We're all just going to agree that I'm doing all the things that I need to do, right? Cool. Let's do this. Hey, if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in two places today, Mark chapter 6 and Luke chapter 4, okay? Um, I am so grateful for Pastor Ty allowing me to be here. Um, It truly is humbling and an honor to get to be here, um, to be a part of what God is doing at uh, Cowboy Junction. Um, Like uh, Pastor Heather said, I get to be the senior pastor, or not the senior pastor, holy cow, Lord Jesus, no. Senior associate pastor of Turning Point Church in Lubbock, which is a fun story, a fun journey that my family and I have been on the last couple of years. Um, But I get to lead a ragtag group of men who are working to live out life on purpose called The Forge. Um, 25 of us are going to go hike the Grand Canyon in October. Um, So yeah, just start praying now. Um, But most importantly, right, I get to be married to an incredible woman who loves Jesus way more than she loves me. And I get to be dad to these four kiddos. Um, My oldest is eight, my middle boy is five, and yes, those are twins. Um, And so, funny story, uh, in 2020, we did what every family does, we got pregnant. Um, I told my wife I wanted four kids, she said she was only getting pregnant one more time, and I told her the fourth one would be really hard to explain. So I was at a youth retreat when she had her first ultrasound. She's like, hey, you don't have to go. I was like, I'll drive back. It'll be fine. I'll go with you. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. We're going to have lots of these. I'm like, great. So I get a text. Babe, I need to FaceTime you, period. Ladies, that's not the appropriate way to lead into a FaceTime call. I just want to let you know, okay? So I'm like, all right, great. Okay, I got to call her. So I I FaceTime her, and uh, I can tell, like, she's emotional. I'm like, oh, no, it's not good. It's not good. I'm like, hey, how'd everything go? She's like, good. I know you really want to see pictures, so I'll just turn the camera around. I'm like, great. And she's like, well, here's baby number one, and here's baby number two. Woo! Just starts bawling. And I just started laughing like, yeah! She's like, why are you laughing? This is crazy. And I'm like, well, I wanted four kids. You only want to get pregnant one more time? Like, I guess the Lord loves us both. We're going to have to figure out another test to see who he likes more. So apparently this is, this is it. So we love, that's my world right now. I get to hang out with those four and chase them around, and it's a blast. But um, it was close to 20 years ago the last time I preached in Hobbs, and it was terrible. I'm just letting you know. I was like in my teens, I was at Crosswinds, and, and Mick Cavanaugh, who's a youth pastor, let me preach, and I don't know why he did that. So I have two prayers this morning. One, that nobody that was there is here tonight. Or this morning. Two is that hopefully I've learned something along the way in the last 20 years, all right? Um, But I just want to tell you, I have a deep love and respect for Pastor Ty and Pastor Heather. And more importantly for you as Cowboy Junction, for decades, for the last 25 years, you've been faithful to steward what God's entrusted to you. Um, You've been faithful to serve your journey, your impact, your story, like your faithfulness to this city and this region, like they astound me. Um, and, And people are watching. Um, and you've done very well. And so I just want to encourage you to celebrate 25 years that there's a legacy that you're walking in um, that is due to faithfulness and good stewardship. Um, I got the privilege of being with Pastor Heather and Pastor Ty in uh, Albuquerque in 2019. We were at the Balloon Fiesta, which is like Mecca for all New Mexicans, okay? So if you haven't been to the Balloon Fiesta, you have to go. Like, it's a thing. If you didn't know that, it's a thing. Um, And so I was there. We're camping. We were actually supposed to go to Montana, which I was really pumped about. But it got pushed back a year. 
what I didn't know, what Pastor Ty didn't know, what God knew was that in 2020, I would need to be with Pastor Ty for a week uh, in what was one of the most chaotic seasons of my life. I had stepped out of ministry for what I thought was ever. And for a week, I got to hang out with Pastor Ty, and he just sat across the room and spoke life into me. And so you are blessed to have Pastor Ty. I just want to let you know, like, he is, um, he's incredible. He asked me uh, on Friday, he said, hey, can you just preach on something that is, like, in you? Like, it's your life. It's something that's impacted you. I just want it to be, like, just an overflow. And I said, yeah, man, I, I want to talk about something that changed my life in my 20s um, that I come back to constantly. Some of you are like, 20s, that was, like, last week for you. I aged well, okay? Mark chapter 6. Right? Mark chapter 6, verse 1 goes like this Jesus left there and went to his hometown. Say, hometown. Accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom he has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Let's pray. Father God, you are good. Holy Spirit, I just ask this morning as we engage with your word that you would do what you promised to do, Holy Spirit, and that is lead and guide us into all truth. We just pray this morning that you'd unpack scripture, God, that it would speak to the very core of who we are, that it'd be alive, that it'd be active, that it'd speak to every situation that's present in this room, and God, that we would walk out of here having encountered you being changed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to give a little context, right, for this passage. Uh, this passage or this story shows up three different times in Scripture, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so when we're reading the Gospels, right, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, it's important to look at stories that show up in all three because there's pieces that are present in the three tellings of that same story that, that give it total color, if that makes sense, right? Uh, and so in Mark, right, Jesus has just gone to his hometown, but Mark includes some really important things prior to this. Mark tells this story right after Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He's done some really cool things. He's actually on his way after like setting a man free from demonic spirits. He's on his way to Jairus's home to heal his daughter, who they said was sick, but they find out that she's died. And on his way, a woman comes through the crowd, fights through the crowd, touches his cloak, and is healed instantly. And then Jesus shows up at Jairus' house. He goes into the room to see a dead girl comes out with her alive. So Mark tells us that Jesus goes to his hometown after we know that he's a miracle worker. That he's the Messiah, right? Mark makes sure that before we have this moment with Jesus in his hometown, in our minds, what's present in the story of Jesus is that he is a miracle worker. That he's a supernatural God that does immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Like, that is who Jesus is. Mark says, it's really important that they know this. Matthew, on the other hand, Matthew tells a whole series of stories and presents Jesus having been a teacher. And so Matthew tells a story after Jesus has preached and he has taught a bunch of parables. Um, parables we all know, right? Parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, 
The parable of the hidden treasure, right? The one where the guy finds a treasure hidden in a field and he says, this is so costly, so valuable that I'm willing to give everything that I have to possess this field. He tells the story of the pearl of great price, about a merchant who finds a pearl that's more magnificent than any pearl he's ever found. And he gives everything that he has to possess this one pearl. Then he tells the story, the parable of the net, right? And Matthew unpacks that in between the telling of these stories, Jesus is walking with his disciples through each one. He's unpacking. Because for the first time in all of history and Judaism up to this point, Jesus is doing what no other teacher of the law has ever done. And that is that he is taking kingdom truths and he's putting them into the language that everyday ordinary people would understand. Jesus is making the truths of the kingdom practical to our lives every single day. So Matthew tells the story about Jesus going his hometown after he unpacks this truth that like Jesus is about ordinary people. He's about teaching the truths of the kingdom to everyday ordinary people. In fact, the disciples, right? Like when we read the New Testament, sometimes I read it and I'm like, Peter's such an idiot. How did he not know the meaning of that story Jesus told, right? Like we read it, but we have context, right? We have the whole understanding. You've, you've had these truths unpacked. So you're like, yeah, duh, that's the point. In fact, like later on after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, these same disciples are going to be standing before the religious leaders of the day, and they're going to call them unschooled, ordinary men. It's the Greek word idiotes. Any thoughts on what word we get from that Greek word? Idiots! They're like, these idiots. And they followed up with this. These guys are idiots, comma, but they've been with Jesus. But they've been with Jesus. So Matthew makes sure that we know that like Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. He's a phenomenal communicator. That he is about everyday ordinary people understanding the kingdom of God. Luke tells this story in Luke chapter 4. Luke positions this story of Jesus coming to his hometown following his temptation in the wilderness, 40 days of prayer, fasting, and his baptism. Like Luke is, is positioning this after Jesus has like a supernatural encounter. And Luke adds some pieces to this. Luke, uh, uh, if you don't know, Luke was a doctor. He was commissioned by a man. He paid him a lot of money to go find out the story of Jesus' life. And so Luke actually writes Luke, the, the Gospel of Luke, and Acts, the story of the early church, right? So Luke is like going for details. He is diving into the story. He's finding every eyewitness. He's asking them, and he's putting together the story. And so Luke tells this story this way in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. He says this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. 
All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Now, I, I, th- this is not in the text, right? But I imagine that there was a pause right there. That there was a pause between what Jesus said and he sat down. And there's kind of this moment in, in the synagogue. And then all of a sudden, the next verse happens. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of a hill which was, the town was built on in order to throw him off the cliff. Now a cliff, just, just so we're clear, we don't have a lot of these around here. just want to make sure we understand this. It's a high elevated point. It's got a long edge on the other side. You push things off of it. Just, just making sure. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Luke records a violent response to Jesus showing up in his hometown. It's not like, hey, there's Jesus. Let's grab pizza. We're going to kill him. Literally, the people of his hometown are going to kill Jesus because he shows up and he says, you are displaying the same idolatrous heart. You are idolaters just like they were in the Old Testament. Just in the olden days when God wouldn't do anything in the nation of Israel because of their hearts. It's the same today. God's not doing anything here because your hearts, you're idolaters. They were very, very upset. Luke makes sure that we understand that Jesus is very much rejected in his hometown. Jesus is preaching with authority. Amen, Jesus is a good word. Yeah, say it again, man. Say it for the people in the back. Oh, did you hear what Jesus said? That's so good. And then there's the pause. And someone does what everyone does in a hometown. Isn't that Joseph's son? Luke 4.22. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? You know, Mary. Mary. Aren't the brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't his sisters with us here? They took offense at him. Isn't this a carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary and aren't? His, his siblings are here. They're normal people. Where did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. Isn't that Jesus? Yo, Steve, isn't that Jesus who like chased your chickens? Larry, isn't that, isn't that Jesus, that boy that did that addition at your house? Isn't that Jesus who put that door on? That Jesus. Isn't it funny when we get judgy, we make words up? Did you know that isn't he? It's not a phrase in English. The correct term is isn't he. We don't do that. We get judgy and we just start making things up, right? Isn't. 
in. It's not a word. Write this down. Hometowns and hometown hearts have the propensity to never let you grow beyond what they will never forget about you. Hometowns and hometown hearts have the propensity to never let you grow beyond what they will never forget about you. So Jesus, Jesus is having a human moment right here. Jesus is coming face to face with his humanity. The truth that each and every one of us encounter at some point in our story, Jesus is face to face with it right now. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is, and to be theologically correct, the Holy Spirit is only dwelling in Jesus. The Holy Spirit is only working through Jesus. In all of the earth at this time when Jesus is alive and he's in this room, in his hometown, the Holy Spirit is not anywhere else doing any other miracles. He's not working. He's not speaking. He's not parting waters. He's not doing anything except what Jesus is doing. face-to-face with his humanity. All of those things are true, and yet the people in his hometown can only see him as who they know him as. The carpenter. The tecton, which sounds really cool. He worked with metal, wood, or stone. Super ordinary. Mr. Fix-It. That was Jesus. Jesus was Wreck-It Ralph. He was Fix-It Felix. <laughs> he was the guy, right? Everybody knew him. You have to understand, for 30 years, Jesus lived, moved, ate, slept, breathed this area. Jesus worked in these people's homes. Jesus played with these people's kids. Jesus went to birthday parties. For 30 years, Jesus is doing life right here. Or Mary's son, Right? I know Christmas is coming. You're going to hear the story. Spoiler alert. Jesus is not Joseph's son biologically. Just letting you know. Mary and Joseph weren't married when Mary was pregnant. It's, it's Mary. Scandalous. You know Mary. Like, that's how people are talking. That's what's happening in church. Jesus stands up and they're going, he doesn't know his dad. Like, let's be honest, this is a human moment. These are humans. We haven't evolved in a whole lot in the last 2,000 years. We still say the same things about people in the room when they're doing things that we don't think that they should be doing because we know who they used to be. We still say the same things. Those are his brothers and sisters. They're no, they were at my house last week. They're normal. Who does Jesus think he is? People in Jesus' hometown can't get over who he used to be. Right? One, one scholar, one author says this. They already have their answers in mind as they pose a number of questions. Since they know his human roots with the town carpenter, his father, the well-known Mary, his mother, and his equally well-known brothers and sisters, he cannot obviously be anything special. He is a hometown son who is trying to be more than he possibly can claim. 
Thus, the townspeople conclude that since Jesus had no other training than that of a carpenter, he cannot be a proper source of wisdom, nor can he lay claim to supernatural powers. Hometown hearts. Hometown thinking. I grew up in Hobbes. Like, I'm super Hobbes. Like, I was, my, my parents were on the way to a Hobbes basketball game when I was born. It doesn't get more Hobbes than that, okay? I have incredible memories in the city, right? Like, I, I, like last night we're at, like, Texas Roadhouse, which I still think, I told my dad this last night, I still think we could drive from Lubbock, come eat at Texas Roadhouse, and get a table before you could get a table at Texas Roadhouse in Lubbock. Even though it's bigger and better, it's not. It's, anyway, I have great memories in the city, right? I was thinking the other day, the first time I brought my wife to Hobbs, right? We were engaged, and uh, we went to one of my brother's band concert things, and we're walking around, and I see this girl, and if you're in the room, I'm really sorry about this. Comes running kind of across the park, talks to my brother, and there's a lot of this. Hold my hoops. And I'm like, what was that about? He's like, oh, she was real upset. I'm like, what'd she say? She's like, are you telling me that your brother is going to marry one of the Roswell twins? Apparently, this girl had played my wife in some sports in high school, and it did not go well for her. Or like I came and visited my dad, and we were having lunch one day, and I, and I saw some friends, and I could see some like wheels turning in their head like, huh, I didn't think you'd live past 23. Well done. You finished college? Wow. Four kids, huh? You didn't get any smarter. Wow, you work at a church? Did not see that coming. You know what I'm talking about. Because you may not ever leave your hometown, but you will encounter hometown hearts. They're the people who, like, say, uh, hey, let's play some side bets. Let's see how long this new Jesus thing's really going to work out for them. Or they're the co-workers at your office that tomorrow when you start talking about what you learned at church on Sunday, they're going to chuckle. Or those family members who laugh every time you go to a, a barbecue and you turn down a beer. Those people who keep you chained to who God set you free from. It's the voice in your head that every time you feel like you hear the Lord tell you something, it says, there's no way God would talk to somebody like you. The problem with hometown hearts and mindsets is they rob us from experiencing the anointing of God on our lives and the anointing of God on other people's lives. So a couple of thoughts. What do we do when we encounter hometown hearts? Number one, move on. Move on. Move on. Mark 6.6, 6. he was amazed, Jesus, at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. I'm out. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Jesus' mission was far too important to get hung up on people and who they would or would not accept him to be. His mission was far too important to get hung up. Number two, you gather a new inner circle. 
Mark 6, verse 7 says, Calling the twelve to him, this is the twelve disciples, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. You have the power to choose who speaks into your life. You. You have the ability to determine who you will allow to be closest to you. Jesus chose to have around him men and women who believed the truth about him. That he was the Messiah, that he was a prophet, that he did have the ability to do supernatural miracles and incredible things. He wanted people around him who believed the truth about who God said he was. The third thing is to get alone with God and then get to serving. Jesus leaves his place, Matthew 14, 13. Then Jesus heard what had happened. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus often withdrew to solitary places to be with the Father. Who better to tell you who you are than the one who formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb? And serving is the best way to get your mind off of yourself and your situation. Serving is like a, a, a scoreboard moment. <laughs> like, hey, it may feel like you're winning, but have you seen the scoreboard? Like, I'm serving. I'm about my father's business. Here, here's, here's like, I realized this in my 20s. I realized that like I was living with a hometown heart. I realized that like I was treating Jesus with a hometown heart, that he was so familiar to me that he no longer, he was no longer holy in my mind. That I had just grown up with Jesus and he was just like, he was just an add-on. It's like, oh yeah, I grew kind of in the Bible belt. Like, yeah, everybody goes to church. Like it's Sunday. He was just familiar, right? He was so familiar. He wasn't even sovereign in my life anymore. He was not God who was high and lifted up, seated on a throne. He was none of that. He was just, ah, he's just Jesus. He was so familiar that I let my familiarity breed dishonor towards him. I had a hometown heart. And I think if we're, we're not careful, right, like, we, we, can, we can just grow up with Jesus that, like, he just becomes so familiar he just becomes one of the things that we do in a long list of things that are part of our story. He's just like, yeah, he's a part. What do we do when we have a hometown heart? Like this was a thing that like jacked up my world. We have to be careful when we grow up with Jesus because it can rob us of experiencing his supernatural power in our lives. Look, if you never swap out flannel graph Jesus. Some of y'all grew up in church. You remember flannel graphs? I see, I see one of my, my early childhood church teachers in the room. I remember Jesus. You threw him up on the board, right? And he stood there and he was powerful until he started to like droop. Flannel graph Jesus. Or veggie tales Jesus. If you never... Look, if you never swap out flannel graph Jesus for Isaiah 6, Revelations 4, Jesus, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. His eyes burn like fire. He's consuming. He's righteous. He's holy. Everything bows before him. The mountains, they crumble like wax. They melt before the God of all. He's holy. 
If you never experience that Jesus, you will rob yourself of the power of God Almighty in your life. Scripture says that he, it is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. It adds length to your life. It is a fountain of life. It keeps you from evil. It, it restores your soul. But flannel graph, Jesus doesn't do that. You have to have the full picture of the awe of who God is. You have to live. You have to choose to not be familiar with Jesus, but to be in awe of who he is as God. You have to read all of scripture or you will only read what reinforces your current view of Jesus. If all you read, look, I love this book. I love this. this. And I am grateful for the grace of God. But if you only read about the grace of God and you never read about the justice and righteousness of God, you will have a twisted and distorted view of the character and nature of God. If you only read about the mountaintop moments in scripture, you will be ill-prepared for the valley of the shadow of death. It is coming. You will have that moment. And if you are not prepared for it, if you don't know that God goes to the dark places as well as the mountaintops, you'll think he's not there. You have got to read all of scripture. If you are going to shift your perspective about familiarity with Jesus, you've got to know the whole story of who he is. And this book, 66 books, all written, 40 different authors, four different languages. 6,000 years telling the same story. God is crazy about you even on your worst day. You gotta know this. You have to choose to worship Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When we're familiar with Jesus, when we have a hometown heart, we find ourselves worshiping Jesus when it feels good find ourselves worshiping and it's just kind of a song that we sing. It's just a moment. Worship is a choice. It's not an emotional response. Worship is a choice to go, God, I worship you because you are not familiar. You are not normal. You're not like every other person. You are God. You are worthy of my praise. Even in the darkest moments of my life, you are still good. And you are still holy. And my response, just like every other human beings for all of eternity, will stand before you and every knee will bow. The response to a holy God is worship. So whether I feel it or not, I'm going to choose to worship you as God. If you want the demon slaying Jesus in your life because you've got some demons, you've got to respect him as such. If you need God to be healer in your life, you have got to shift your perspective to see him as healer. If you want God to provide in your life, then you've got to shift your perspective from being like, oh, she's flannel grab Jesus too. He's a provider. He does more than enough. Like he's an abundant God who gives above and beyond whatever I could ask or imagine. That's who God is, right? But flannel graph Jesus, if we're just familiar with flannel graph Jesus, then he can barely stay on the board. If you don't know Jesus, 
then the greatest decision of your life could be choosing to submit your life to him. But let me caution you. It will cost you everything to say yes to Jesus. I don't know where in your life it'll cost you. It'll cost you. Jesus choosing to live and be about his father's business, it cost him. In his hometown with people he knew, with he, who he loved, it cost him. I know of no other church. I've been to a lot of churches. I know of no other church that stewards the calling to reach those who don't know Jesus like Cowboy Junction. I don't know anybody like Ty who just loves this city and loves people who don't know Jesus. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to tell you, that's step one. But this morning, like I specifically, as we end, like I want to pray for those of us in the room who feel like, man, I got familiar Jesus. He's just familiar to me. I'm here this morning because it's familiar. It's Sunday morning, it's 10 o'clock, it's the golden hour of church in America. I'm here. And so every head bowed, every eyes closed. If that's you in this space this morning and you say, hey man, like I'm super familiar with Jesus. I just want you to put your hand on your heart, right? Like this, I just, I'm gonna pray for you, but just don't do this because it feels good. You say, hey, like I've been familiar with Jesus. He's familiar to me and I wanna see him differently. I want to see him as the God that he is. I want to know him in his fullness, not just what I think I'll like about him, but I want to know him. I want to see him as God. Just put your hand on your heart. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, I just thank you. God, you are so stinking awesome. So cool that you would come and hang out with us this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray for every person in this room who feels like they've become familiar with you, with your personhood, with your story, with your call, with you. We've just become familiar. Lord, I pray, God, for a shift in our perspective. God, I pray for every heart in this room, God, that we would see you as you are high and lifted up that you are the God who does miracles. You're the God who teaches. You're the God who brings the kingdom to everyday, ordinary people. I pray that we would see you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. I got, God, I pray for those of us who feel like we've just been so familiar with us that we don't even know that we need you. God, I pray for a fresh revelation of who you are. God, I pray for eyes to be open, even this evening, tonight, as they, they, they sleep. I pray for dreams of who you are, God, your goodness, your power. God, you're anointing. I pray that we would know you. We would be people who see you for who you truly are. And God, that you would honor that and you would give yourself to us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You know, I feel like this message, God knew that this weekend JD was gonna be here even before we did. But I feel like this message is such a great follow-up for the series that we've been in on Hidden Heroes and talking about the secret place. Because honestly, I can confess that I've been guilty. I've grown up in church. I've known the Lord my whole life. My testimony, I thought, is not a testimony. I've known Jesus my whole life. Can't even tell you the day I was saved. Cannot tell you the day I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. It just has always been. And you can get into a season of life of where you just, like he said, you're just, he's so familiar that you've lost the reverence and the awe of a mighty God. So how do we 
grow? How do we get out of that place? It's in our secret place. And this may start to get old to you. Oh, I've heard y'all talk about the secret place over and over and over again. Good. Because I pray that that be the number one thing you take away from here. Is that you have pastors who do not believe that they are the answer to the soul emptiness that you're feeling. Your pastors aren't the answer. This church is not the answer. JD and his message today is not the answer to fulfilling something that is broken on the inside of you. And, and that's uncommon for you to hear a leader of a church to say that, keep coming, keep coming, because I got the answers. That's not common for them to say, it's not me that has all the answers. It's, I just happen to know the one who does have all the answers. And though God has called us to maybe lead, I'm no more special than you are. If you had been the only person on the planet, he'd have died for you. And he has a calling and a purpose for each and every one of you that's beyond these walls. Many of you are going to walk out of this room and you're going to go into worldly environments. You're going to go into schools where they're not worshiping Jesus. You're going to go into jobs where they post things on the wall that you don't even want to look at because it offends you. You're going to deal with people every day that do not line up with the walk that you're trying to walk. But God has called you for such a time as this to be the light of Jesus. And so how do we go from him being the flannel? I love that illustration. The flannel, what'd you call it? flannel graph God, Jesus. How do we go from that to truly knowing who he is, that he is our provider, he is our father, he is our friend, he is our comforter, he is everything you will ever need. How do we go there? The secret place. And you may say, it's just so hard. It is. Anything that's of value is not easy. But even taking five minutes, starting somewhere to say, I'm going to spend some time alone with God. I'm going to cry out to him. It may start off with just your list of needs, and then it may grow from there. God, not what I want, but what do you want? God, change this heart in me. And then he brought up the word. The word is so powerful. That is where we grow and we know the true nature and true character of God. And when I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you many ways that you can grow in your knowledge because we're so intimidated many times by the Word of God. That's the excuse I get the most from people is I just don't understand it. It's too hard. Guys, we're living in a technology-driven world right now, and there is no excuse to not having things that will help you understand the Word of God. But we've got the greatest thing, Holy Spirit. And all he's asking is that you surrender and say, I cannot do this without you. Y'all stand to your feet. And I know JD prayed for you. But I want to pray one more time before we sing this last song. And I just want to go to the Father on behalf of every single one of us. And say, Lord, I'm ready for that fresh fire to burn inside of me. A fresh desire to know you, and then to make you known. If you would, just hold out your hands like you're receiving a gift from the Lord. Father, we just ask right now, number one, we ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness that it's become so familiar that we don't even see the value 
of having you in our life, that we've taken for granted everything that you've blessed us with, that we go to our friends and our coworkers to gripe about what's happening in our life rather than running to the one who knows the beginning and the end. But God, we need a fresh fire. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives. Just right now in your own way, under your own breath, say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me so full of your presence and your power that I'm even surprised of the things that are happening in my life. I'm surprised by the words that are coming out of my mouth. I'm surprised by the places I find myself being able to minister to those that I never even thought I could minister. I'm not only blowing my friends' minds that knew me before, I'm blowing my own mind because I have surrendered to you and you're working through me in mighty ways. So God, fresh fire, fresh anointing, and a hunger for the things of your kingdom. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. As we sing this last song, I just want to encourage you. Our prayer team is coming forward. There is power in agreement in prayer. And if you're here today and you would say, I need a touch from God. I need that fire to burn on the inside of me like never before. And I want someone to agree with me because today I'm taking this seriously. I am ready to see change in my walk, in my life, in the words that I speak. Please, as we sing this last song, get out of your seat, come down and agree with one of our prayer partners that today is gonna to be a different day, a new day, and you'll walk out of here ready to serve, to love, and to get to know a good, good Father. Amen? Amen, let's sing.